Welcome back to Raw and Real NYC. So happy to have you guys here with me today. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a review if you're feeling it. It means the world to us and really helps us with our listenership. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to hear what's in my Instagram saves, what quotes I've been loving lately, some new mindsets I've taken on. But for the first part, let's talk about wholesale. Thanks for listening. I'm Megan Casey Loftus. And I'm Samantha Jenkins. Working in the fashion industry can often seem materialistic and shallow. On Raw and Real, we shut down those stereotypes and dive into the discussion surrounding job opportunities, both creative and business within the fashion world. There are so many unknown aspects to the fashion industry and the entrepreneurial world that we will uncover through interviewing fashion industry leaders, serial entrepreneurs, and girls just like us. Hey you guys, it's your host Megan Casey Loftus and today's episode is actually a solo episode. Just me, myself, and I talking about WTF does it mean when you work in wholesale. So today's episode is all about my job, what I do in fashion, and I can really speak to what it means to work in wholesale at least at Marc Jacobs International in New York City. I want to start today's episode with a brief synopsis of what wholesale even is or who are wholesalers because my the first question I get from a lot of you guys when I FaceTime with you or my Instagram followers that are interested in fashion, maybe from high school classes I've talked to or whatever it might be, is like, what is wholesale? And essentially, it's the business between a brand or a designer and a wholesaler. So to break that definition down, who are wholesalers? Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, Neiman Marcus, Saks, Net-A-Porter, Shopbop, Revolve. Your favorite boutique in your hometown is actually a wholesaler as well. That would be considered a specialty store. So we're going to get into kind of that relationship and what it means to be at the brand side of that as well as on the buying side. A lot of times you'll hear people say they want to work in fashion and be a buyer. Well, what does that really mean, right? So this episode, I'm going to break all of that down for you guys. But before we get into it, I just wanted to give a little overview of my career in fashion thus far and just a life update because we love that and I like to feel like I get to know you guys. So my career in fashion started two years ago when I got my first job out of college at Marc Jacobs. So immediately I was welcomed onto the wholesale team where I was a sales coordinator. So that meant that I managed all of the samples for Marc Jacobs. And what is a sample? A sample being a prototype basically, of the handbag or garment that we're going to be producing for that season. So I managed all of the samples at the office, and that meant internal shoots, external photo shoots, trafficking, and making sure they didn't go missing, they stayed in good shape, things like that. So after my first year of being a sales coordinator, I was promoted to being a junior account executive on the wholesale team at Marc Jacobs, and that just meant that I took on more responsibility. I started managing more of my own businesses and all of that good stuff. I will say my internships in the industry 
definitely prepared me for my job at Marc Jacobs. I felt comfortable talking about sales and selling. I felt confident in my trend forecasting capabilities and in my own personal sense of style. But most importantly, I felt independent in the workplace and like I was good at time managing and things like that. As long as you are constantly learning things from your internships, it's never going to be a waste. Back to becoming a junior account executive. So that's where I stand today as well. But I wanted to show you guys and kind of talk you through what that even means. So like I said, I listed all of those types of wholesalers at the start of this episode. And basically we work with buyers year round to maintain and grow business together. I keep very close relationships with women at Nordstrom or at Revolve or at ShopBop. I talk with both photographers from these companies as well as the buyers. I maintain the full depth of the business. So the simplest way to explain what it means to work in wholesale is actually to start at the beginning of the fashion calendar with fashion week. So let's just go back to my very first fashion week at Marc Jacobs and kind of go from there. Let's set the scene. It's September. It's New York City. There's street style photographers everywhere, influencers everywhere. People are attending shows, performances, different types of events. It was. It's a very exciting time to live in New York City. With the announcement of the Marc Jacobs fashion show, the first thing that my team has to do is start working through handling and inviting fashion wholesale partners and buyers to the show. So there's basically, and again, I'm only speaking from experience with Marc Jacobs. I'm not entirely well-versed on how every other fashion house does this, but at Marc, we have two shows actually. So there's a wholesale buyer internal show, and then there's a press show, which is what the influencers come, the bigger virtual publications. I can't speak too much to that, but I can speak to working the fashion show ticket request list from a wholesale partner point of view. With that being said, we create the seating chart for the show. So once Mark Jacobs and his creative directors come up with what they want the show to look like and the art directors, what they the vibe they want it to be, they develop a seating chart. So they tell us the number of seats that are available for either press people or for wholesale people to come and see the show for the very first time. And let's say a select show has 76 seats or something. We have to work through all of these invites that people are asking for show tickets. And this is a super like political time in fashion because people really want to attend the show. So we have to handle everyone respectfully, but also try and curate and create a list that really makes sense. Once Mark Jacobs releases the seating amount, we come up with the seat seating chart and the invite the invite only type show then we actually hand deliver the tickets to the clients and this all happens super fast because Mark works like a true creative and things do tend to run last minute. So then I'm running all over the city delivering, hand delivering tickets to clients. That could be the, you know, the vice president of Nordstrom. It it really could be anyone. I go to a lot of hotels during this time because people are traveling from out of town. I'm delivering tickets to the buyers at Essence. It's kind of fun, a fun time because a lot of the people will come and accept the ticket in person. So you get to meet some cool people. But then the show happens that night. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's fun. And immediately following the show, the collection is brought back to the office or to the showroom. And that's when the merchandising team comes and makes the line sheets in preparation for market. Most of the people on the outside of the fashion industry looking in think that fashion week is the most stressful, chaotic time of the year, which is true. It is the start of 
a stressful slash chaotic time. But the week following is actually the more busy time for people in the business side of fashion. So that this is called market week. Essentially, market week is a time when all of these buyers, buyers from Bloomingdale's, buyers from Saks, Shopbop, Revolve, again, all those mom and pop specialty stores or, you know, more street style specialty stores like 10 Corso Como or Notra in Chicago or Exhibition in Ohio, these really cool stores, their buyers come and make an appointment with myself or my three team members on the wholesale team. And we oftentimes have anywhere from 10 to 20 appointments during the week. And that means it's an hour long appointment between you and the buyer to walk them through the collection in full. At fashion week time, this means both ready-to-wear, shoes, handbags, accessories, whatever was on the runway that is going to be made available to wholesalers for purchasing and for customers to buy are things that we have to show them. They want to know, they want to feel the fabric, touch the fabric, know the retail price on this. Is someone going to spend X amount of money on this blouse, whatever it is? And then we sit down with them. We talk about what we think would actually work in their market, what their customer would sell or would buy, and that. That's how we curate their buy. So after these hour-long appointments, again, with sometimes it's up to like 20 specialty stores in a market, we have to go back and curate their buy, make sure they have all the information necessary. They have to allocate units to different doors. So they don't just buy like a handful of handbags for the season. They have to think about their top doors, and that means the best-selling stores for that brand. So on the buyer side, the top doors might look different for Marc Jacobs versus Givenchy or or something. In that case, they are dialed into Marc Jacobs and figuring out what doors would sell the most of this handbag. And a lot of times that also might be demographic dependent or geography dependent. Like the same handbag that sells the best in Ohio might not be the best seller at the New York Soho location. So they have to think about all of this when they go and allocate units by door. Um, Another thing we do during the market appointment is kind of set up what it would look like in a quote-unquote top door assortment. So they pull the bags that they definitely want to have in the New York store or that they definitely want to have in the Aventura store in Florida. They make sure it looks pleasing to the eye. So they do the visual merchandising and then, you know, they also keep in mind how many units they're going to put on .com or what style might only make it on .com. Maybe they're just going to do a trial run with a new handbag for this season online only. It's really about like a larger conversation beyond just what's cute, what feels soft, what's actually going to sell at that price point. It's about capturing the brand as a whole and really telling a story and being a good representation of Marc Jacobs. All in all, Market Week is stressful, but it's also the most fun time of the year for me because it means I get to connect one-on-one with my buyers again and really get to know their business. A lot of times things that go into market on the back end is catering or models because sometimes if it's a ready-to-wear market, we'll have models walking around in the clothes to show how the fabric moves and catering because people will come around lunchtime and they'll be hungry or around breakfast time and they'll want a croissant, which makes it all really fun. And it's just a very full Marc Jacobs experience when you walk into the showroom. Slightly switching gears after fashion week and market week and curating the buys, things that I do throughout the day-to-day that don't entail that exciting client 
relationship-based time of the year. This can be really all over the place because I do work on a very small team and despite Marc Jacobs being a very successful and established brand, we have a very startup mentality. For example, what did I do today? So I got in around 9 a.m., sat down at my desk, read Women's Wear Daily. I always suggest you do that just to know what's going on in the industry, what things have happened this week or even the day before, and diving into different larger conversations that are happening in the fashion world. After that, I opened our selling database. So I was able to go in and check on my specific accounts and accounts that I assist with. So I went in and looked at Revolve selling of Marc Jacobs for the past week. I went in, checked Shopbop selling. I overlooked Nordstrom and Saks, who does really great business with us. And I was able to review what handbags did really well across all accounts last week and where maybe we're not trending as hot in, whatever it might be. After I reviewed selling, I went and checked my email. I Today's Monday, so I went and reviewed everything that I missed over the weekend. I had people from my field team, which are my coworkers that actually travel around and view the product in real life. For example, my coworker Ryan could be in California and he'll send me pictures of this store at Saks and look how great this display looks and check out this in Atlanta, Georgia or look at this store in Chicago or in Oakbrook near Glen Ellen. I review my emails, respond to internal emails of the sort, and then I also get emails from clients over the weekend. Maybe there's a store that isn't selling a sweater really well anymore because it's springtime and it's going to be summer soon and they want to swap it. So they'll send me the exact sweater that they want to return to our warehouse, what they want to buy into. And this all varies brand to brand and how people partner. Again, this could be Marc Jacobs specific or if I were to go and work for another house, they might not do these sorts of things for their customers. It totally just depends. So I'll look at customer requests. Maybe I'll receive a few reorders. So for example, last week I sent out potential packages of handbags for clients that I thought would do really well for them and that we just got new inventory of. So they know that this style works for them. I'm telling them we got more units of it. You should buy into it, whatever it is. So then they go and buy into them. We start the shipping process, all of that. And that way they have fully stocked shelves for the upcoming weeks. Again, it's women's wear daily. It's checking selling. It's managing internal requests, checking reorder opportunities and any potential client needs. And then there's a whole side of my job that's strategizing. So the afternoon, this afternoon was spent looking into new specialty stores and finding where we are not currently, where Marc Jacobs isn't able to be shopped across America, and where we want to join. This meant that I was going on Instagram and looking up cool boutiques in North Carolina that other fashion brands might be in that we are not in yet. That includes us then DMing them off Mark Jacobs' Instagram or us emailing them, trying to start this relationship and encouraging them to come and look at next season's product in person or currently virtually. Strategy is definitely a big part of my job. And then I would say another piece of the puzzle is physical samples. Like I talked about at the start of the episode, a huge part of working in fashion is trafficking samples and making sure things are getting to photo shoots on time and in in a certain priority. So some weeks it means that an internal photo shoot with our social media team is more important than something 
externally. And the only reason we have to pick and choose is because sample availability is limited. Most fashion houses don't have more than one or two sets of samples per season. So again, this is just a handbag that you use for these sorts of send outs. It's nothing that would ever be sold um, unless it's a sample sale. And yeah, so then another part of my job is making sure all samples are getting to places they need to be, making sure that we make the cover shoot for this certain website. That's a big part of it. It really, my job really does just vary week to week. Like three weeks ago, I was swamped with sample sale things. So we partnered with 260 Sample Sale and I helped put on the in-person sample sale at the Soho location a few months ago and then at the um, Midtown location last month. So that entails making sure all the inventory from our warehouse that we're no longer selling gets to 260 in Manhattan and that it's advertised properly, emails are sent out, that everything's priced well and that you tier pricing as the sale goes on. So as the days pass, a lot of times brands make things cheaper because the sample sale is really the end-all be-all of that product's life cycle. So that's an example of a week that takes on a different life than a typical week for me. With all of that being said, every week differs and varies slightly in both busyness, time allotment, work-life balance, all of that good stuff. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I did want to just touch a little bit on this episode of things that I've been loving or been thinking about. And I'm going to go to my Instagram saves and see what is up there. Oh, I loved this. So this whole idea from another magazine talked about, quote unquote, Less focus on fashion as product and on designers as brands would make fashion more exciting and joyful. While financial success is important, ultimately, it's not the reason designers create clothes, nor is it what motivates people to buy them. I think that is so true, and if you haven't listened to our episode with Paloma of Palandre the Label from last week, I think when we talk about that TikTok that I recently watched on how we hopefully are leaving this super fast-paced trend cycle and diverting back towards personal style, and I think when we focus on fashion as product and as designers, we lose that fashion is fun mentality. So returning to fashion being joyful and exciting allows for personal style to break through and for people to actually find themselves in their closets again. I love this quote by Maya Angelou, success is liking yourself, liking what you do, and liking how you do it. I think so much of our society today places success on what the title of your career is. Even myself, for example, a lot of times people will come up to me or anyone that works in fashion, not just me, and say, oh, that's so cool. You must love your job, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, I am living my 12-year-old dream, but that doesn't mean that there are days where work is hard or there are days when work isn't creating a seating chart for the Marc Jacobs fashion show, you know? So success is liking yourself, liking what you do and liking how you do it. I really liked that. And that goes along with one of Raw and Real NYC's fave all-time quotes. If you want to be happy, be happy on purpose. When you wake up in the morning, you can't just wait and see what kind of day you'll have. You have to decide what kind of day you'll have. Higher thoughts, higher energies, higher vibration, higher frequency, higher experience. 
I've had to reinstate that mindset lately because work has been hard and my days have been long and understanding that every thing in your life is a choice and the more you start owning those decisions deciding that it's going to be a good day choosing happiness the better your day becomes i love this quote as well from earl nightingale never give up on a dream just because of the time it will take to accomplish it the time is going to pass anyway that quote is so freaking awesome because it's so true So much of my generation, myself included, expects that we're going to go to bed, wake up the next morning and be the CEO. And when that doesn't happen, I think it's tempting to give up on your dream. But good things take time. The time's going to pass anyway. Just keep working at it. And like Paloma said last week as well, consistency is key. I love this quote. This just made me laugh today by Rachel Wilchin. If someone hates me for my happiness, I ask the universe to send them some so that they forget about mine. And I will leave you guys with this quote today. Remember, in order to be different, want different, receive different, you have to move different, work different, right? So this says, Replace complaining with gratitude, replace insecurity with confidence, replace toxic friends with mentors, replace overthinking with action, replace fear with faith. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Raw and Real NYC. If you have more questions about my job, what it means to work in wholesale, all of those good things, you know where to find me at Megan Casey Loftus on Instagram, Megan with an H or at Megan Casey Loftus 1996 on TikTok. Your girl popped off, went viral, low key. (laughs) And it's been fun connecting with you guys. Talk to you next week.